Sidekick. I'm a mezzo-soprano on a mission to change the world through the commissioning, performance, and proliferation of new music. Are you just beginning your singing career? In the midst of building your successful empire, or anywhere in between, I hope you'll join me as we talk about the ins and outs of both a traditional and non-traditional singing path. It's not always easy, and if your experience is anything like mine, we barely scratched the surface of this in studio class. However, I'm here to give you the micro-action that over time will transform your relationship to your career. Let's do this. joining me. I'm really excited to be here at UNLV. So I want to get started by having you introduce yourselves, say your name, you know, focus areas, things that you're working on at the moment, maybe, and just kind of a little bit about, you know, do you do new music? Do you, what do you like to do? Those kinds of things. Start on this side. (laughs) Hi, my name is Karine Hochman. And I am in the process of finishing my uh, doctorate, my DMA in voice, uh, hopefully. <laughs> um, I sing mainly Verdi. Mm-hmm. I'm a spinto soprano, so I sing a lot of Verdi and Puccini, but I always uh, enjoy uh, performing new music. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in all my recital in my undergrad, I always try to incorporate my colleagues' uh, music in I my love recitals. That. Good job. And, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I've always, when I lived in Philadelphia, there was a composer there and I performed her piece. I always try to stay in touch with the community I'm in to perform their pieces and I'm always open yeah. to, you know, here I got to do a couple of concerts with a composer. It was very exciting. Yes. Who did you work with? Um, my brain. No, okay. I just did the comps and I <laughs> Okay, I work uh, with Randall, and I can't remember the last name, I'm sorry. But uh, I will we'll edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to have so much facts in my brain right now. Anyway, yeah, so. but that's, right? that's how it goes. Yeah. It comps life and, you know, singing life in general, it just kind of feels like we're always like running from one thing to the next. Yeah. It's really important to find, you know, those times to kind of release and relax, yes. too. <laughs> I, I can have one brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel that. So yeah, um, I'm Celeste Dixon, and I'm getting my master's here at yeah. UNLV. Um, I recently am transitioning from mezzo to soprano land, so Ooh. that's been exciting and like yeah. expanding my top and mm-hmm. and then also my bottom. I yeah. Happened, but, um, so that's been exciting. Um, I'm getting ready for my master's recital, um, and that's mainly what I'm focusing on right now. Great. And yeah, hopefully also graduating soon. Yeah. <laughs> so. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Erin Gonzalez. I, uh, as well as Karine, am a DMA um, student in voice. And I'm a lyric mezzo, so I sing a lot of Mozart and Handel. Yes. <laughs> um, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, so the things I've like been uh, working on, so I also, too, have had a great... Um, 
chance to be able to work in the composer's concert with the Next Tet group, um, yeah. which has been great with Dr. Beller putting it all together and allowing us right. students to work with composers here at UNLV. And you just did uh, Burial Folk Songs, right? Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, so it was awesome. a really great experience. It was and great. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> and I also had the privilege uh, this semester to be a part of two new works, two new operas. Mm. Um, great. Which, which ones? Uh, Dr. Linda Lister's uh, State of Grace. Cool. And then um, Dr. Cynthia Wong. Uh, no guarantees, which we're opening this weekend. Actually. That's so exciting! Oh yeah. my gosh! And I too well, have a recital joy. coming up <laughs> yeah. as well yeah. in December too. So we're just like recitals, comps, everything is yes. happening. Operas like going up. <laughs> like, well, that's so exciting! I really appreciate that you took time out of your schedule to come and meet meet with me. It's been really cool. We talked to a couple of Dr. Beller's classes today, and it's so interesting for me to be on campuses when I do these residencies and just make time to talk about, you know, what are you going through? What, what kinds of things are on your mind? And then I really think it's a great time for us to just chat about being like in the life in, in all these different facets. And so it's really not me coming in and being like, let me tell you everything. <laughs> like that's not how I think about these things. It's a chance to share all of these different facets of music that we're working on because it's such an incredibly diverse and wide field, right? And so I, I really appreciate that you're taking the time to come and talk to me about oh, yeah. that. Well, thank you for giving us your time. So, so, so I, like, hi, I'm yeah. Karine, and I'm an opera singer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sober. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is our own little, like, um, like group therapy and 12-step. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice. I love it. Well, I asked you guys to think about some questions, and we can kind of run run that direction if you want to. And... It was more like, you know, when we get together and chat about these things, I want you to think about, like, what are things that are kind of challenging? Like, you and everybody else are all going through the same things. And that's why we talk about it on the podcast, too, is just a whole bunch of people being like, oh, yeah, it's not just me. It's not mm -hmm. just me that's thinking about these things or worried about a thing or asking questions about what happens with this, you know, or what do I do about X? And I think being in a setting like this, we it's just the four of us, but when we do it in a podcast setting too, there are so many other people that might have the same questions that you have, that this is, you know, that an undergrad it, back in my home state of Iowa, it could be listening to it and going like, yes, they're thinking about those things too. Thank God. So if we can kind of think about some things that you want to talk about. <laughs> All right, so one of the questions um, I have is in regards to finding balance between like music preparation and outside work while still finding time for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think just if you had any like you know helpful tools or anything that can help with, because um, I know right now I'm very overwhelmed with a lot of different projects and stuff, and yeah. how to maintain find a balance and to not have like a complete meltdown right so just <laughs> that's a really you, serious concern you know, it, like, it really is yeah. so just because you know just being in a good mindset i guess and mm -hmm. just if there are any you know helpful tools that um could help with something like that definitely i think that's such an important part of what we do because i'm sure that when you have your instrument with you all the time you could always be working on something is kind of like that incessant mm -hmm. voice in the back of your mind going yeah. like you could be practicing you could be doing this or you could be working on this and you're like oi <laughs> it's so much but you have to kind of decide like where am i what's important what's prioritized at the moment mm -hmm. and we were talking about this in a class earlier today that i was saying 
over time, I've gotten really efficient with my processes and that's really helped. So things like knowing that, that when I get into the practice room and I have a mountain of repertoire, that's like, oh, this, these all have performance dates lined up between now and this month, you know, or like the, you know, this point on the calendar. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Is that I know what needs to happen so that a piece is fully learned and memorized or ready to go. And I have that kind of down to a science for my own practice time. And I encourage people to find that for themselves, right? What is it that's going to really like solidify that? So you don't have any stressful moments when it comes to learning your repertoire and you know where you are in that process so that you can kind of move things around in your mm -hmm. schedule. There's no guessing of like, is this ready to go? You know, it's ready to go. And so that's different for everybody, but a lot of mine for specializing in new music has a lot to do with like intervallic learning and rhythm and things like that. So really early in my process, I'm solfeging everything. I'm count, count singing everything so that when I show up to a rehearsal or for example, my duo here that we're in separate states. So I'm, you know, in Iowa and he's in North Carolina. And when we get together for a concert and we have two world premieres on this tonight is that we get together and we're like, ready to put it together. So there's no question on, is it ready to go? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's one of them. And then processes yeah. for other parts of your life. If, if your brain likes that, if your brain likes routine and things like that, I highly encourage kind of finding it in your calendar and being like, this is when I meditate. This is when I cook or whatever. That is that thing that makes you feel like you're still balanced, mm -hmm. but it doesn't also like take over. I think when, I find that when I get overwhelmed or when some of my students get overwhelmed, we get into a procrastination kind of binge mm -hmm. and it starts to like sit, like snowball after that. And so you giving yourself like, oh, okay, I'm just going to take like an hour. I'm just going to take like a couple hours to like, or I'm just going to take Sunday night to like calm down or just like give myself that night. And then it starts to kind of like, you haven't put enough boundaries on what you want to fill up that time with. So it kind of just morphs into all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And I, that's a part that I really had to get more efficient about is telling myself, this is time that's just for resting, or this is time that's just for doing this. And I'm going to do that thing while I'm doing it because I made the time for it. Right. Um, okay. And I think it's so important because our bodies are our instruments, right? You really have to work it into your life, right? Mm -hmm. You really have to work in that like I am going to sleep better <laughs> like, and because my body needs it to function as the instrument that I, that I want it to. Does that fully answer your No, it question? does. Thank you so much. That, when you're helpful. thinking about, when, when you all are thinking about balancing without, you know, with, without divulging anything you don't want to divulge, <laughs> but what are some of the areas where you find that it's challenging to balance between different things? I, I, I wanted to, you, you just raised a really important uh, point, which I had to deal with was the idea of studying, practicing, taking a break. Maybe it's my brain, but I find that if I take a break, it's I have to restart, stop, mm -hmm. restart, stop, and I find that's extremely frustrating. Yeah. Maybe it's calming for the brain, but it's very frustrating because I don't feel I get to do anything fully. Yes, you and I are similar that way. <laughs> yeah, so I really, because I was actually had a very hard time sleeping mm -hmm. in, when I was studying intensely for comps, but that's very mm -hmm. special. But even practicing, I tend to get very hyper-focused, so I have to I have to find a better balance because taking little breaks actually drives me crazy mm -hmm. sometimes. Well, and sometimes people, I 
I work with other collaborators and they love like Pomodoro technique, like, you know, work for 20 minutes, take a break, work for 20 minutes, take a break, that kind of idea. And it works really well for them. And I'm more of like a, I want to be in flow, like for hours at time, like at a time. And that makes me feel like I'm ready. Right. And so there's a little, when you're working with other people, there's like a negotiation process. They're like, sure, that's okay. (laughs) We can do that. And then we can also do this. Right. Right. But when I'm left to my own devices, that was a very important point for me to recognize for my own practice time is that I really needed to find a time in my schedule that I could block for like rehearsal or whatever writing, whatever it is that I needed to get done and, and just commit to that and say like, I know it's going to be, it's going to feel better if I do a longer chunk than like a 20 minutes, you know, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, something like that. Or, you know, everybody's got different things. And that's why I always tell my students about, like, find the technique, find the thing that works for you. Don't do necessarily what works for me, but you have to kind of try them and then be like, no, 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 that does not work. <laughs> right? Like people who snack and eat 20 yeah, yeah. a day. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so it's, it's really like that. Yeah. It's like when you find, like, what to eat that makes your body feel really good versus like how to work that makes your body and your psyche feel really good. (laughs) And it's not 100% of the time. That's the thing is that we have to, there's a very like workaholic culture that I run into and particularly in music Mm -hmm. that is unhealthy in a lot of ways, but you are in charge of finding your most healthy relationship with music. And the more you can do that and not glorify that culture to your colleagues or to your own students is really important. Like be efficient, do, do what feels good for you and, and gets you to your goal. But the goal is not to just constantly be working. The goal is not to only be the person that can only talk about, like you've only done music all day and you have no other personality or something like that. So you want to, I, I think it's really important to kind of, remind people and particularly when my students only inter- like interact with me in a music capacity that I'm like what are other things that happen in your life you know mm-hmm. and then but also we're really focused on the task and how is this helping you achieve your goals you know mm-hmm. and what part does this play in your life like what percentage of your life is singing right and be clear about it and for my various levels of students, you know, like non-majors or majors or grad students or things like that, those are all different percentages. And I need to also be the right person for them wherever that percentage is. And mm-hmm. that's a teaching side of it that's really okay. important to me. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't... Um have anything really to say about that, but I do have a question. Yes! <laughs> so... Um, because I'm looking to graduate in December, I yes. my question was about like transitioning from the school life to more of a like establishing a professional presence mm-hmm. and kind of making contacts and figuring out how to make um, opportunities for yourself and things like that. Like what concrete steps did you take mm-hmm. during that transition that really helped you? Sure. And, and to be very clear, I'll tell you like exactly my path and then however that relates to yours is that I, so I finished my master's at Peabody in Baltimore and I stayed and I was living with my boyfriend and we were very happy like living there, staying there. And 
and I left school and I was like, whew, okay. And I got a full-time job in an office and was like, okay, I'm making money. This is really great. And then I'm going to like sing. I was already fairly established in that music community because of being there for school. Mm -hmm. And then I, it was just my goal to kind of get more established and, and be in those like professional networks rather than maybe a student being in some of those networks. Mm -hmm. And, but I did, I probably gave myself six months, like after school where I just like built up funds. I just like took care of things and started going to stuff really like hmm, more actively, I think is what I'm trying to say. And about that six month mark into working full time, it's like, okay, I'm ready to like get after it now. Like I felt like I had kind of built like a nest egg uh -huh. of sorts mm -hmm. so that I didn't feel like I was scrambling for anything. And I also didn't feel like I had to take every single gig that had a paycheck just because I needed a paycheck. And I was able to kind of think strategically about the things I wanted to do and which connections I wanted to make. So there is a value there when you have other income streams after school to that gives you some freedom to really pursue things more strategically in your career. And so about that six month mark, I was like, okay, I'm ready to, ready to get after it. I started the blog and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I want to go to all of these performances and I can't really afford it. So I'm going to get press tickets to go to these things <laughs> and started writing about it. Cause I also felt very strongly about when I was in grad school, I didn't feel like because I come like I like music feelings felt hmm, like I I didn't feel like I had a very strong voice about music and I really wanted to strengthen that by going to things and then writing about it so mm -hmm. giving myself this task of feeling like I want to be able to have coherent thoughts about this in a scholarly way and so I'm going to go to these things I'm going to write down my thoughts and I'm going to get better at sharing or communicating my thoughts about music in that way so that part was really important and the blog then kind of turned into this you know whole part of my life and I was like oh well this is exciting <laughs> like and I started a concert series um, a house concert series around that same time and those were not giant things they were really like Thing, projects that I could take on at that time period that weren't like, I'm going to start an opera company. Cause I definitely right. hear like younger <laughs> students or graduating students be like, I'm going to start this giant thing. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. Just like, where, where are you getting the funding for that? I would be so curious. <laughs> like, so it was definitely something that I don't want to give the impression that these were projects that were like started off as mm -hmm. massive things. They were just really like, I want to do something like this. The parlor series, which was what I called the, the house concert series, was a chance for me to perform more often. Yeah. And also, like, really, because I could program them kind of like every month, every other month, whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I didn't sing on all of them, but I, I definitely would sing whenever I wanted to, like, do stuff. And, and it gave me a lot of chances to work on audience development skills, marketing skills, basically all of those connective skill sets to what I think about making your own opportunities. Mm -hmm. It gave me an opportunity to do those things and like build the skills with an actual tangential product mm -hmm. at the end of it that wasn't make or break. Like if the parlor series, well, and then when the parlor series stopped, it wasn't like my whole life is over. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, I'm ready to wind this up 
now because we're moving, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it was fine. I didn't hand it off to somebody. I, I was just like, okay, it just doesn't like, that was a, a season of my life that was really helpful. And then I don't do it anymore. Um, so I worked that full-time job. I had like all, so we would have been after my master's for about, oh gosh, um, about five years, four years, I probably had a full-time job, like an office job for the whole, that I had a full-time job for that whole time while I was gigging and performing locally and regionally. So in the Baltimore DC area, sometimes up to New York, things like that, that kind of like corridor of the East coast. And that was really helpful because it helped me build my resume in really helpful ways, but I wasn't solely relying on it. I could just kind of do it and it gave me some freedom and the ability to also go out and hang out with my friends and like mm-hmm. buy drinks when I wanted to and stuff like that. And then after that, I, uh, when I moved, I got into teaching because that had a more flexible schedule that I really enjoyed teaching. And then I, it allowed me to be on the road a little bit more when I moved back to Iowa, it really forced me to think about my career on a more national level because there isn't as strong or robust of a community for new music in Des Moines. And so I couldn't make like a fully functioning, like regional career there. So I was like, okay, great. I will just now go everywhere. <laughs> and, and had put in the time and the connecting time with people so that when I was there, I had made connections and people would ask me to come perform for things. Mm. Cool. And, and then just recently left my teaching jobs because I needed more flexibility to be more consistently on the road. So now, now I still have, uh, I have these part-time like remote jobs that really help just kind of fill in the gaps, but are also highly aligned to my long-term goals. So it feels, it feels exactly like the kinds of things I want to be in. Even as a musician, I would want to do those jobs. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a lack of, um, it's not, a lack of funding that's mm-hmm. making me choose that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like those kinds of jobs that are just one more positive income stream in my life, plus performing, plus, you know, whatever else that kind of rounds out. This is the pie that I think of when I think about my musical life. Mm-hmm. So I think is that yeah. that because I want to be really clear when I talk to other people about that it that I graduated with my master's in 2009. And so it's been about, so we're coming up on kind of like what I call like my 10 year, like professional anniversary, (laughs) like, and, and now is when I'm getting to this place of having, being on the road really consistently. And that changes for everybody based on, you know, what you do, like what kinds of music you want to sing, you know, and I chose new music as my path because I really like it and I wanted to be in it. But a lot of that is like make your own mm-hmm. opportunity kinds of things. And so that's been, th- and that's a really realistic look at it. Yeah. So. Sounds that's like cool. you really knew your boundaries. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I think a lot of get, self-awareness. Yeah. You get a lot of that, like, because uh, when things go wrong, you get a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like hard earned in a certain way. You're like, you're like, I'm right. not going to do that again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> like somewhere. something happens and you're like. No, maybe not that choice. One more time. <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes I'll learn more what not to do. Than yeah, to do. <laughs> they, all, they all work together, right? Yeah. So you can read a ton of books, and I do a lot of research in, like, 
music entrepreneurship and things like that because that's one of my research areas. But you can read all of those things, but the minute that you start to put, like I said, uh, tangible products or tangible services at the end of something, then you're like, oh, this is really real and I have to like actually apply that thing. And when I apply it, there's an example that I like to use is um, like asking for money or like asking grant writing or like asking donors for money and things like that, is that you can read all sorts of books on fundraising, but until you start doing that moment of asking, you have no idea what your own like emotional stuff is kind of around that until you're like, I can't ask them for that. And then you're like, wait, why can't I ask them for that? Because they're not telling me that I can't ask them. That's me telling myself. And I'm like, where am I getting that information? That's that kind of self-awareness is like, it's like you show up and you're like, why am I having that feeling? (laughs) (laughs) You you check all the corners before you enter in a room. Yes, yes, exactly. And I think that's an important, you, you all are coming up to very kind of threshold moments mm-hmm. in your own careers and after those and before like that whole process is just so important to check in with yourself and be like if you're having a negative feeling if you're having a positive feeling that you're like what is that connected to and particularly after you kind of accomplish something or like a master's recital or like you do and you're like you're like okay what are all like what are all the feelings that are around that and then that was really helpful in the processes kind of thing mm-hmm. is that doing the parlor series I got really serious about oh this these are all of the parts this is kind of a checklist of things that need to happen for a recital to go well Mm. right and I know that now in the same way that if you do a lot of recording you know all the little ins and outs of like how to work a recording studio you know you know how to slate a tape thing but until you like and when you do it for the first time you're like what's happening right (laughs) now (laughs) and so it's really about I think putting yourself in those situations as you're saying like you're graduating you've got all of this exciting stuff ahead of you and I would really think about what are the areas that you can give yourself more flexibility Mm -hmm. to pursue what you want so that if that's a job for you cool if that's um I want to make sure that like if you have like family money or something like that that like that's also okay (laughs) like it's like great however you are like healthy and sustainable as a person cool (laughs) right but if you're like me and you needed to have a job because it wasn't going to happen another way that's also okay like you're still doing it you're still doing it the whole time a a thing I always say to like particularly my students that that have to like work a lot of hours and they're like I just don't think that I'm not sure if I can do this or whatever and I was like they never take your singer card away like nobody comes and takes it away you are the person who decides what relationship you're having to music and sometimes you have to work a lot and sometimes you have to do this or sometimes you have to take care of a family member or something yeah. like that. And you're like, well, I can't, I can't go on the road for six weeks to do that opera at the moment because my mom needs me or something like that. And that doesn't mean that you're not a singer. It doesn't yeah. mean that it doesn't mean that you're not professional or yeah. anything like that because you make real choices, real mm-hmm. life choices. I think a lot of people kind of take themselves out of the game because of things like that. Okay, cool. Thank you. Of course. (laughs) Can you think of, we'll do like three like rapid fire questions. Think of something short. Oh, okay. I I wrote something, I don't know if you can answer it shortly. I'll do my best. (laughs) Um, How do you uh, balance feedback, input, indication of change from other people, Mm. and the sense of self 
and your goals. Yes. Remember that, um, oh man, I think I'm going to mess up the like attribute, like attribution of the quote, but it's like what other people's thoughts about me are is none of my business. And like what they share with me is just information for me. And I'm going to take that in and be like, sort through it and go, does this help with what I'm doing right now? If it's not useful now, put it off to the side. Maybe it helps later. Right. But it's not something, if it's not helpful, then it goes away. Right. That's the hard part, discerning yes. what's helpful, though. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely part of it, is take that in. Sometimes you're unsure if it's helpful, and then get a second opinion, right? And then you go to a different coach and you say, like, here's a thing that I've been hearing. Is this also something you're hearing in mm-hmm. what I'm doing? And, and then you start to get more data points on whether or not that information is helpful and how many people think that. Because if it's one person and it's a preference choice then you get to make that artistic decision like no i'm gonna keep doing that there (laughs) or i'm gonna keep using this particular timbre to like make that happen and and if somebody's like well i just don't really like it like okay (laughs) like (laughs) sounds good fine (laughs) like um feedback wise one of the things that i did want to say is that this is my little soapbox moment that uh, <laughs> singers apologize too much in rehearsal. And I would like to, I would particularly if you're working in a chamber ensemble setting or in new music, there can feel an isolation between the instrumentalists and the singers sometimes in, yes. in that setting. And if you, if you don't work with them all that often, you tend to like internalize some stuff that's not for you sometimes. And you're like, I'm so sorry, I'll do it again. <laughs> like, and, and you've, and I, want to kind of relax that culture and just go into like thank you I'll fix it or you know just it doesn't have to be emotional in that way it's just mm-hmm. if somebody's like the pitches are wrong here and you're like thank you I'll got I'll it's going to be better and you just say thank you to like whatever you get cuz you're like I hear you I'm like I'm taking in what you're saying I'm going to then check whether or not that's useful do I need to fix something and then go from there mm-hmm. so Ladies, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. I hope that you will keep in touch with me and let me know what you're doing. Yes, Yes, all your recitals, you're live streaming them, yes, or no.